Another Way to Play, Episode 88. Success is a choice. It doesn't matter your situations, it doesn't matter your background. It's about where you want to go, and it's about what you're willing to do to get there. This is Alex Keats, General Manager for Debella. And if you want to learn to make the next chapter of your life better than the last, then you should be listening to Another Way to Play with my good friend, Hans Truzina. Welcome to Another Way to Play, your wake-up call to finally make a difference by creating a life defined by freedom. This is about entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and industry professionals that have left the 9-to-5 rat race behind by taking that personal leap from where they were to where they want to be. It's time to stop going through the motions, stop hitting the snooze button on your life, and get the insight and inspiration to make the next chapter of your life better than your last. This is Another Way to Play with your host, Hans Struzina. This is Another Way to Play. I am your host, Hans Struzina, and I believe that if you trade hours for dollars, you will never achieve true freedom in your life. Today's guest is a buddy of mine that I actually have known since college. We were on the University of Washington rowing team together. His name is Alex Keats. I really wanted to bring him on because since college, he has really spent a lot of time studying sales, trying to understand how to become a better salesperson, and uh, using that as a way to build his career, basically. In this conversation, we talk about some of the mentality things that he's applied to his life, like affirmations and reading and a morning routine. But we also talk about some very good practical advice that he gives to people who are considering making a shift, making a change in a company. Um, And he basically uses a metaphor between being on the peak of a mountain or being down in the valley in between them. And uh, so that's definitely one you're going to want to listen to. And he also talks about a pretty cool mentality that our college rowing coach um, instilled in him that he has tried to apply to every sales position, management position, and every opportunity he's ever received. Uh, So those are all good things that you want to take a listen for. And of course, if you get value out of this episode, please head over to iTunes, leave a written rating and review um, because it gives me a ton of feedback, helps me grow the show, and uh, just basically makes me a better podcaster and makes this a better listening experience for you all. So thanks in advance for that. Really appreciate it. And so without any further ado, let's go ahead and bring him in. Here is my buddy and former teammate, Alex Keats. Alex, dude, thank you so much for being on the show today. I'm really excited to have you on. Very excited to be here, Hans. Man, it's it's been a long time since you and I connected. We obviously rode together in college as we caught up about on the phone the other day. Um, yep. And I'm definitely excited to, to talk to you more specifically about what you've done since then, uh, which is a lot and and hence why I wanted to bring in the show. But before we get to that, let's back up and let's uh, give the audience some context and talk about where your journey really began. Absolutely. So for me, um, gosh, I mean, in terms of where it began, uh, I would say my journey really starts with sports. You know, sports has been uh, in just competition. Athletics has been such a big part of my life. And I really say this to this day. Um, but I've always been somebody who's been very competitive, somebody who's always wanted to be a leader, somebody who's always wanted to stand out. For me, my athletics career started when I was five years old in soccer. And uh, I ended up playing soccer all the way through my sophomore year in high school. I picked up track when I was in third grade. I was eight years old. And then I did that all the way through the end of high school. Um, and then, as you mentioned, obviously, I went into rowing in college. 
And that was a huge challenge for me. I had no background in the sport and was very excited to pick up something new and different. And um, yeah, it's something where that has been an attitude and mentality that I've carried throughout my lifetime. Um, and I, in fact, I, do you want me to share some of the philosophies that I picked up from my athletic career that I use to this day? Yeah, man. Well, let's, let's dig in on that. Cause one thing that I think you said was interesting. That's important to note. Cause I've talked about my rowing journey on the show a number of times, but not everyone knows, you know, how you start in it. And that's one question I get a lot. Okay. And you didn't have a background in it obviously, but you walked on in college. Can you talk about just real brief, just build that context so people know what you're talking about, how that worked and what that looked like for you? Yeah, absolutely. So rowing is, is quite a unique sport, right? I mean, it's a sport that not a lot of people do. I mean, it involves so much unique equipment, right? It's not like you can just do it at home growing up typically. And you have to have a body of water. You have to have a shell. You have to have oars. You have to have a lot of equipment that's not cheap. Right. And so um, wasn't really any rowing actually around when I was growing up, which is really interesting. So I grew up in Southern California, my hometown's Ventura. And I didn't realize till I was in college that we have a Lake Casitas nearby where I grew up. That is a man-made lake that was built for, I believe it was the 88 Olympics, whichever year mm-hmm. was in LA. And that was built for rowing. And so it's something that, that now, since I've been in college, I'm somewhere in the last five to 10 years, they've actually started a rowing program out of that, uh, out of that lake, but they didn't have that growing up. And so when I went to the University of Washington, they are really big on recruiting for the rowing team, right? And I always thought it was really funny because from day one, there's like 100 plus guys in a room. And then by the end of that week, that's like cut in half. And by the end of that next week, it's down to the final team, which was like 30, I think it was like 32 guys or 36 guys on that freshman team. And so it's something that uh, was really fun to get onto because, and, and why I was so attracted to the sport was because right off the bat, the practices were grueling. They did that on purpose, obviously, to weed people out. Um, they really wanted to separate who was who, who had the, the mental and physical toughness for the sport. And so it was something I was determined to do. Um, interestingly enough, actually, I'll share this with you. One of the reasons I picked up rowing was because um, I – so I always had a passion for football. I actually thought I was going to play football in college. And I ended up spraining my ankle when I was 17, and I sprained it horribly. And I was not really able to compete at the same level – after that, when it came to football, because of the impact, just being able to run on it was not the same. And so my older brother is somebody who was, uh, he had picked up rowing, he went to Brown over in Rhode Island. And so he's the one that suggested, hey, well, if you can't really use your ankle, you don't want to hurt your ankle because of the impact, he said, try rowing. You know, it's a tough sport and it doesn't have the same kind of impact. And so it was a perfect fit for me. Um, but being there at UW it is awesome to say that it is a phenomenal program. I am so proud to say I was able to be a part of that program. Every year there were cuts, and I have no shame in saying that I was certainly the bottom of that team, but it was a phenomenal team, obviously, and it's something where making it all four years, I take a lot of pride in being able to say that by the time I graduated, there was nine of us in that senior class, and it's kind of cool at the end of the day to be able to say I'm one of nine people that stuck through those four years of rowing at UW. Yeah. And that's one thing that I wanted to hit on with your story, because I think it's so critical, which is quite different than mine, is you walked on to a team full of guys who either had rode in high school, had potentially rode for their junior national teams, were coming mm-hmm. from Europe, from Australia, from Croatia, from you know yep. all these different countries. And you were able to compete and uh, earn that spot. And, and frankly, coming in with no experience, like that mentality of what's required to to pick it up that fast and compete at a high level 
is is frankly pretty incredible. And anyone who walks onto a rowing squad, uh, I have a huge amount of respect for because sometimes you don't know exactly what you're getting into if you hadn't had that exposure in high school. Right. Yeah, no, and, and you, you, that's a great point. Like you said, I mean, there's international guys and that's something that I always think is cool to say is I've, and you're one of them, I've, I've rode with people who've rode in the Olympics. You know, I got to practice with them, compete with them. And so that's what's really cool is to have that type of experience where I can say I was on a world-class team. I certainly feel that way about the program there at UW. I was a world-class team, produces world-class athletes that compete at the Olympic level. And so just to be in that company in and of itself was an honor and a privilege. Yeah, so so sports, obviously, huge influence. The rowing team, a, a pretty big component of that. And then your four years is done. And as you said, you didn't continue on except for a little recreation here and there. But right. um, what did you pull out of that that helped you transition into the next the next part of your life? So there is one philosophy that I picked up from the head coach there, Michael Callahan, that is a philosophy that I teach to people to this day. He said it sometime, I believe it was my freshman year. I can't recall exactly what time of year or exactly what day or anything, but I believe it was my freshman year. But it could have been any year. He was the, the head coach I had every year. And what he taught us was our mentality was that we were going to practice and get ourselves to the point that we would be so good that on race day, even on our worst day, we'd be better than our competition's best day. And I thought that was such a savage mentality because it's such a no excuses type of mentality. And so I think it's really core to how I handle myself because since I've been at UW, I've been in sales for 10 years. And so I'm very involved in sales management and leadership. And so I train a lot of other people and I love to share that philosophy with them because how to, to me, how that translates into everyday life when it comes to sales is you have to have a, a mentality and an attitude about yourself that you're so good that even on your worst day, you can still make that sale, right? It doesn't matter if you're sick, you're tired, you're stressed out. Even if you're someone who's new, you're behind on your bills and things like that. You need to be so confident and competent that you know that you still have the ability to make that sale and help that person out by getting that product or service. Yeah, man. Like you, because you're you were you're ahead of me in age and in in school. So I heard that message multiple times a day uh, in some cases, and sure. we would always talk about you know being within one split. And for those of you who rode on the rowing machine, like at CrossFit or something, the split is one second for 500 meters. So that's one split is how we call it. And we would always say you want to be on your very worst day one split off of your PR or your personal record. And just to say, like, if you can keep your variance that tight, that on your worst day, you're still going to be pretty darn close, like, right. you're going to be hard to beat. Absolutely. And that mentality is obviously taken in a hold of you and, and kind of progressed you through where you went. So speaking of that, where did you go out of college? And, and then how did you start to apply some of those lessons into your sales career? Sure. So I'm somebody who coming out of school, I had no idea what I wanted to do. In fact, actually at one point I really strongly considered the Peace Corps and it was something I was pretty close to doing. I was looking into it. My dad knew somebody associated with the Peace Corps and I had been in contact with her and was, was pretty seriously considering it. But I don't know if you've ever looked at the Peace Corps. It's a 27 month commitment. And so at the time I was just like, Oh, that's a bit steep. I don't know if I want to make that kind of commitment when it wasn't something I was totally passionate about. And so um, I ended up being one of our teammates, a guy from my year named Simon, who actually interned with an insurance company. And so he has suggested I go in for an interview. And so it was an insurance company, it was a sales position. And so at the time, you know, they talked about all the income potential, the lifestyle, things like that. And that was a question that I seriously wrestled with was, do I want to go down the path with the Peace Corps 
or do I want to jump into a sales career now at age 22 and get that part of my life started? So that's the path that I ended up taking. I ended up saying, you know, I'd rather get started in sales. I'd rather have start learning that skill set, start making that type of money and put myself down a path like that. So I started with an insurance company there in Seattle and I ended up moving with them a number of times. I was with them for six years. I moved from Seattle to Boise, Idaho. I moved down to Las Vegas very, very, very briefly, then to Portland. And then that's where I ended up leaving that company. And so it, it took me a number of places. And in hindsight, my experience there was very up and down. Um, anyone who's tried sales knows that it is not easy, particularly to try it at a young age. And so it was very up and down. But I look upon that entire experience very positively overall because it's given me a skill set for a lifetime. So... Let's break that down a little further because a lot of the people listening to this episode and this show generally are people who are, you know, in some kind of a a corporate setting. They're maybe they're in sales, maybe they're just in a job that they're not loving. Um, And you said, you know, just like any salesperson, you had some massive ups, some massive downs, um, Mm -hmm. but it was overall positive. Like the the perspective there, I think, is really important to to dig in. So, how did you, especially when it was down? Let's dig in on that. Um, how did you decide or figure out how to make that a positive in the end? Because it could have just as easily gone the other way. Well, something I was taught somewhere along the way there was that when it comes to making decisions, do it when you're at a high, never when you're at a low. You know, you can think of it as peaks and valleys. If you're on the peak, you have perspective, you have a view, you can really see what's going on. If you're at the bottom of a valley, you really can't see what's going on. You're kind of stuck in it. And so that was something that was taught to me early in my sales career that that's, that definitely gave me a perspective that helped me stick through the tough times. Um, but it really taught me that if you're going to leave, do it while you're on top. And there was actually one guy, I believe it was a guy named Rory Baden who wrote a book called take the stairs. I'm really big on. And I believe it was him that said that you should never leave a company or an industry until you're number one. And so that's something that I mean, it wasn't necessarily number one when I left that company, but I wanted to stick in sales. And that's what I'm still doing to this day. I work for a home improvement company these days. But that's something where I really took that perspective to heart was, I, you know, you can't leave when you're down because you can't really see what's going on. But when you're up high, that's when you can really have perspective and make decisions with a much more clear head. So in your experience, when you're down in that valley and you're like, man, this sucks, kind of want to quit, kind of want to see what mm-hmm. else is around because we get shiny object syndrome, especially our uh, younger generation generally speaking, at least a lot of people think we do, which we probably do to be fair. But anyways, (laughs) you have to gain this perspective by going up the mountain. Like how do you, instead of just quit while you're in the valley, climb the mountain so then you can gain the perspective and see, is this really where I want to be? Or is there another opportunity that I think is going to suit me a little better? You know, that's one I haven't thought too deeply about, but as I'm hearing you ask that question, when I reflect on myself, one of the things I know about myself is I don't like quitting. I'm somebody that when I choose to do something, I'm really big on commitment. Um, An example of that I can think of for myself is I did wrestling one year in high school, my freshman year. Pretty quickly into that season, I realized I was not a big fan of the coach or the team. Um, These just weren't really the kind of people I wanted to associate with, but I didn't quit that season. I stuck out the entire season. And that's been a, a very pivotal point for me to always reflect on is I know that whenever I'm in something, even if I don't like it, I'll stick it through until the appropriate time. And so that's something that I knew when I was at that insurance company that it was a good company, it was a good opportunity because there were people there that were highly successful, that were making great money, doing great things, helping other people. So I knew that the opportunity was there. And so over time I realized that 
I couldn't leave when I was down because the only reason I was down was because of myself. And so I really internalized that principle and I knew that I needed to work on myself. I needed to read more books, gain more skills, gain more knowledge, perspective, experience, all of those things. And so that's what kept me going during those tough times was I really looked inwards and dug in and, and realized, what do I need to work on? Get myself back up the mountain. Yeah. And I love that perspective because what you just said, what do I need to work on first? Because a lot of the times it's easy to go to blame. It's easy mm-hmm. to see why someone else is doing better. They're, they're cheating. They're the, the favorite of the boss. They're this, sure. they're that, they're more talent, whatever. But you know, ultimately, what is that going to accomplish for you? And I, I think that that perspective is really amazing. So you've got not necessarily to the tippy top number one position, but you decided, hey, I've climbed and now I have some better perspective. Maybe it's time to go do something else. Like how did you make that decision and what ultimate factors went into that for you? Because I think that those transition points are super valuable to talk about. Yeah, it was definitely an interesting period in my life. So I've moved up fairly high at the company. I got to associate with some of the top level people, go to events with them, spend time with them. And then what happened my last year was I was in the Portland area and I got jerked around a little bit. I got put into a number of different offices, moved around different places. I got put into an office, which I don't know how much into detail you want me to go into this, but I got moved into an office that was the most toxic work environment that I've actually ever been a part of. Um, There was an individual there who was extremely negative. She was very nasty. She was actually purposely trying to create a toxic environment. I, I don't to this day fully understand why she was doing that. Um, but after that, and then I got moved out of that office to a different office. Um, I don't know if you know how many details you want this. I got so bad that I got to the point where if I went back to the office, she was trying to get me arrested. So I don't know if you oh, want wow. to hear that story. <laughs> uh, it got bad. It got weird. And so, um, I ended up going to a different office and then even then things were getting jerked around. And so I built up a sales team and they moved me from Vancouver, Washington, down to Lake Oswego, Oregon, over to Clackamas, Oregon. And I was surprised even by, for myself of how much I was able to, motivate and inspire these people to actually follow me through that. And so that to me showed me, Hey, I have an ability to influence people and have people follow me. But ultimately I had ended up losing most of my team. As I got to this point where the decision I had to make for myself was, Hey, do I want to put in the blood, sweat and tears necessary to rebuild the team here at this company? Or is it time to look for something new? And that was a tough decision. I'd be, I was there for about six years and that was a very, very tough decision. What I actually ended up doing at one point was I took two months where I didn't work. Because I was 1099 there, I had the ability and the flexibility to do that. And so I took two months off. That was um, December of 2015 through up till February of 2016. And I did a lot of self-reflection of what I wanted to do. Actually, I first went back to the company, dabbled in that for a couple months, but felt like it wasn't the right fit. Um, And then ended up moving on to where I'm at now. And I've been here for three and a half years and I'm, I'm really loving the situation I'm in now. That self-reflection moment, I think, is critical. So what I've heard in your stories so far, which I had the feeling you were going to bring out, was focus on yourself first. Look at the areas for improvement that you have. And then you know, spend some time climbing the ladder, doing the work, developing the skill set. And then once you, as you said, gain that perspective if it's still not a good fit or if, if the management or the culture isn't feeling right, or frankly, if the, the product or the service isn't right and it's time to move on from that, you know, gain that perspective, look internally, see what's right for you and then decide to, to take it in another direction. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you definitely think that, you know, 
starting with yourself is the first step, but then you have to be realistic at some point, right? You have to be pragmatic and look at the situation and say, is this the right situation? And so, you know, saying goodbye to anything is never easy, but sometimes you have to know if it's time to go, it's time to go. And in hindsight, like I said, I'm somebody who, even though it was up and down, if, any, if, if somebody today came to me and said, hey, I'm thinking about joining this insurance company, I would tell them go for it. It's a great place to learn skills, great place to gain experience. Um, I definitely took a lot away from that experience. But like I said, but then sometimes you have to know when it's time to go and, and apply those skills and knowledge and experience somewhere new. Absolutely. So you're in this moment of transition. You take your, your sort of mini sabbatical you come back for a couple more months and you're just, after you'd done that, that internal work and it's like, yeah, I, I, I'm just not in this anymore. I gotta, gotta make a change. And, and I want to just caveat that by saying you did that reflection after building skills, after climbing the mountain, after really putting effort into that company. It wasn't the first sign of trouble, pull the ripcord and get out of there. It was like, mm-hmm. let's dig in and see what, see what we can make of this. Yes. I always say if you are in a sales type of organization, if you haven't thought about quitting at some point, you probably just haven't been there long enough. Uh, I think it's pretty (laughs) normal. At some point you'll have that feeling and most people give into that feeling right pretty quickly. You'll see lots of people that'll try something for a couple months. They feel burnt out, they hit, you know, crash and burn and and they're out. And so uh, I definitely think it's important to be able to overcome that feeling the first time it comes up, probably even the second and third time. But usually, you know, you have to really diagnose why you're feeling that way. And if you can diagnose that it's yourself, then you need to work on yourself. And that's why after, when I had that little mini sabbatical for two months there, that was after I'd been there for five and a half years. So I'd had that feeling many times. I'd bought it many times, but I finally was like, Hey, like I've been here for over five years. I really need to listen to these feelings and see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's important to kind of digest that and to recognize that. Cause I think that is, that's the key, right? It's like, there's, I've used this analogy several times on the show, which is, you know, it takes a minimum amount of time to do anything. And, and when you look at a marathon, for example, you know, one of the longer running races that most sane people do, like there's obviously yeah. ultras for those crazy, crazy <laughs> folks who want to <laughs> punish themselves for some reason. But <laughs> um, a marathon, you know, the world record was just, you know, in the last, I think, six months set at just under two hours. And it's super fast, right? But when you think about that, it's still two hours of really hard, intense running. And you extrapolate that over a career, it's like stuff just doesn't happen overnight. You know, you have to be able to put in some time, put in some energy, build some skill sets, have some failures, have some successes before you can really make a good decision. And that's exactly what you did in this scenario from what I'm seeing. Right. So you go into the, to the construction or you leave insurance, you go into construction and then, and then what, where does your journey take you from that point? Yeah. So what happened for me, and actually I'll explain this part too. So when I was at that insurance company, after a year, I was moved into a management role. And at the time I was, I'd started that company. I was 22. So I was 23. There was a piece of me that was like, Whoa, you know, I don't even know if I'm ready for that type of role, but the company was really big on promoting people and letting them grow into the role which I think is a valid perspective, but I think you can get too aggressive with it. And so at the time I did not feel like I was ready for that role. I mean, I'll be blunt. I wasn't even totally bought into the company at that point. I didn't get totally bought into that company until about a year and a half, two years in. It took me a little while. And so something where I felt like I moved into that role without being fully ready. And I didn't feel like I got the chance to fully develop my sales skills and, and as a salesperson. 
And so what happened is when I came over to this home improvement company, my original perspective was I was like, I want at least one year to not even consider a management role. Because one thing I know about leadership and management is that you at that point have to be very selfless, right? Because when you're simply a salesperson, you can focus on yourself all day long and that's really all it is about. But once you move into a leadership role, it's no longer just about you. It's now about your team. And one of my biggest philosophies in sales management and leadership is the number one thing that matters is making sure your people get paid. And that is a very, very big responsibility is that if you hire somebody and you train them, you are now saying, I'm going to make sure that my, you know, my job is to help you take care of your family and make sure that you earn a paycheck. And so I know that I take that, I don't take that responsibility lightly. So I knew I wanted at least one year to not even have to consider that. I wanted to be able to focus on myself, kind of just get myself right. And really most importantly, what I wanted to do was learn the company, learn the industry, learn the people involved, um, just really learn how to do it all before I'd want to even consider teaching it. So I, I told myself one year. So I started with this company in October of 2016. By October of 2017, it was almost like a switch. I kind of was like, okay, I've been here for one year. I'm ready to consider leadership. And then right at that time, it was perfect timing, is when the company announced we're going to be doing a, a round of interviews for a general manager in training uh, position. Or So it's a, it's, a, it's a program to train for one year and then become a general manager and go open up an office for this company. And I was like, perfect. I couldn't ask for a better time. That's exactly what I'd be looking for. You know, I do see myself in senior level leadership and whatnot. So um, I took the interview. Now, what's really kind of interesting is at first, I actually did not get accepted into the program. Um, and I was really taken aback because at the time I was like, Hey, I have five years of sales and uh, management experience. I've been hiring, I've been training. This is a perfect role for me. And at the time there was a couple guys, I mean, there was one guy who was like 21 that got selected over me. I'm like, dude, bar none, he has nowhere near the experience I have. Um, there were some young guys, some way less experience, but the owner of the company, what I have a amount of respect for him for is he, he did sit down with everybody and tell them why they didn't get chosen into the program. And so what he told me was, even though you have five years of experience in hiring and training, you don't have any experience at this company in hiring and training. And so you really need to gain some of that before we can consider that. And so I remember at first I was really upset. I mean, I, that's probably the most upset I've ever been because I don't think I've won something that badly in a long time. Like I really wanted that role. Like it was just a perfect role for me. I did not want to wait another year because it's a year long training program. So the next time they accept people was a year out. And so it kind of spun me for about two days. But then again, I took some time to reflect on it. And I was like, I, I heard him. I was like, I get it. I haven't proved myself here at this company. And so I immediately put it on myself to go and prove myself. So I immediately got involved in hiring. I was actually doing some training. And what happened one day is I was training another individual because it was right around the new year, it was the end of the year. And we were talking about setting goals for the year. And I went over a sales model with him. I said, this is how you break down your numbers. This is how you can set your goals and objectives for the year. Because you can even say how much income you want to make. We can break it down piece by piece. I was just doing that training one-on-one -on -one in the main room there. It was empty that day. Owner happened to be walking through. He sat down at the back of the room and he asked me, he's like, hey, where'd you get all that from? And I was like, well, I got it from the last company I was at. So I didn't get any of that from, from there at Tabella, um, the company I'm at currently. And he was like, well, that's pretty cool because that's the exact sales model that we follow here. And that was it. And then he left the room. And then a week or two later, he called me into his office and said, hey, you know, we've thought about it and we decided we actually do want to accept you into the program. And so for me, that was actually kind of cooler because originally I wasn't even selected off into the initial interview. It's actually what he saw over the next couple of weeks that proved myself and then accepted me into that program. And so then for 2018, I was in that program. 
I was actually originally supposed to open up the office I currently have opened up at the beginning of 2019, where there were some delays for different reasons. And so I just opened up this office now at the beginning of 2020, which as we all know, 2020 has been off to an interesting start. <laughs> Dude, uh, thank you for sharing all that. Cause I, I love the mindset and the mentality that you brought to that and the way you broke it down of like, yeah, I was really pissed. I was really frustrated, you know, forget them. Like all these young guys like this and that there's a million excuses that could come yes. into that. Right. But you're like, you know what? Okay, fine. That's what it is. And I'm going to figure out how to move forward. And the mentality and the mindset there is one that is rock solid for you to be able to be that kind of person, make that kind of decision. Otherwise you'd be sitting there just being pissed off a little bit and, you know, disgruntled and maybe kind of a middle of the road person with that kind of attitude. And I, I just want to reemphasize that to the listeners because it's so critical. Like, yes, it's totally okay to be upset. It's totally okay to be disappointed and frustrated and, and hurt or whatever, but you got to get over it. You got to, you got to deal with it and move through it and then use it to your advantage. Cause the only way it's a failure is if you stop learning from it and you stop moving forward. Yeah. Well, I'll share this with you. This is something I heard somewhat recently, but I love it. Um, I don't know how much you listen to or follow Tom Billy. He has some fantastic mm-hmm. stuff. And so I heard this from him recently and I love it. He says, our negative emotions are feedback. loop." And I was really confused by that at first. So what he was saying was anytime you have a negative emotion, you have to dissect it, right? It's an opportunity to listen to yourself and say, why am I feeling this way? How can I change that situation? How can I correct it? Because a core philosophy that I've operated off of from the very beginning of my sales career is, and this is you know, a common one these days, is focus on what you can control, look of what you can't, right? And so our negative emotions are a great way of reading into that, right? Our negative emotions lots to say, okay, so why am I feeling this way? What about that can I control? What about that can I control? Right? I'm going to focus on what I can control and that's how I'm going to get out of that negative emotion and then let go of what I can. And that has really helped me. And I love I feel like I've kind of operated that way in the past, but I didn't have such a great way to explain it until I heard him say that. Yeah, that is a fantastic analogy and a, and a great piece of advice. I mean, anytime that you're feeling some kind of way about a decision or just a job that you have to do or something, really digging in and asking yourself why. Like another exercise that I've heard is kind of the seven layers deep that Dean Graziosi does about the seven whys. Like ask yourself why seven times. So why am I feeling this way? Well, because, you know, the boss is a jerk. Well, why, why do you think that? Or why is that? And, and you just keep going and going seven I like times. It. Yeah, I haven't heard and that one, but I like that a lot. Oftentimes it comes back to some very core belief that you hold. And, and the point is, generally speaking, it's most of the time about you and not about anybody totally. else. Totally. Totally agree yeah. with that. That's awesome, man. You know, we're getting towards the end of our time and I, and I want to respect the rest of your day. Um, but before we get into the focus five, I want to just ask you if you have any other thoughts to share with the audience with your experience opening this office in 2020. And obviously the timing being a, a bit of an interesting one because of the COVID-19 pandemic that we're facing, but um, any lessons you've learned just in that short amount of time and, and something that you're going to apply differently and something you think someone could take something away from? Oh, absolutely. I have a couple answers for that for sure. So it's something where, yes, I actually, so I opened up this office and it got officially opened the beginning of February. We got our license. We're in a licensed industry. So we got our license, I think it was like February 4th or 5th. We're operational for the next couple of days after that. And so, yes, as you can imagine, obviously things really broke out within the next few weeks. I mean, I did not have much time to operate before we were in the thick of this pandemic. And so something that I created for myself this fall back in November and December 
are some positive affirmations. I'm really big on positive affirmations. If anyone is not familiar with those, please look those up and it, just the concept of them and, and create some for yourself or find some that are out there. Uh, but one that I created for myself back in the fall, and it's kind of interesting how fitting it is for this day and age, is I dominate during crisis. And so I started saying that to myself. And so it's so fitting for what's going on right now is because I, I just tell myself I dominate during crisis. Like I was, I, I'm ready for this type of situation. Um, another one that I created around the same time as well is you can slow me down, but you can't stop. And so whenever something you know, gets in my way that could be perceived as negative, that could be perceived as a hurdle or a stumbling block or anything like that is that's what I tell myself is you can slow me down, but you can't stop me. And so that's how I feel about this pandemic is that's the mentality that if you want to be successful at this time that you have to tell yourself is yes, this is slowing a lot of us down, you know, and it's definitely throwing a wrench in the, you know, the machine for a lot of us and jamming us up. But if you focus on that, you can freeze, you really are going to get stuck. But if you say, okay, I know that this is slowing me down, but how do I find a way over this, under this, around it, through it, whatever it's going to take, you can and you will find ways to be successful. And so that's the mentality that I've taken for myself. And it's really cool because my office has been able to find ways to succeed. Um, a third principle I'll share with you, and this will probably be the last one for this, is find a way to do a lot with a little. Mm. And I think that's an important one for this time and era that we're, that we're entering. And you know, who knows exactly what's going to go on with the economy, but if the economy gets rough, I think that's going to be a principle a lot of people can take to heart is find a way to do a lot with a little. Um, because you can't control necessarily what resources you have, but take what you do have and find a way to do something with them. Dude, all three of those are fantastic and love the affirmations because I think that those are really powerful if you use them in, in a good way, like what you're suggesting. Um, dude, this is, this has been an awesome conversation and, uh, could definitely keep it rolling all day, but I know you've got stuff to do and same with me, but so let's go ahead and transition us to the focus five, which is the same five questions I ask every guest on every show. Are you ready? I am ready. First question. What book have you gifted most often? So that book is one I actually just mentioned a little bit earlier in this show is a book by an author named Rari Vaden. It's called take the stairs. That is a book I got when I was at the insurance company. In fact, I actually got to hear the guy speak twice. Once he came to our office and once in a big conference setting. Um, but that's a book that's really good about discipline. That's the whole title there, Take the Stairs. It says instead of taking an escalator, taking an elevator, which most people look for the, the easy way in life, look for the shortcuts. His recommendation is look for the hard ways, challenge yourself, you'll grow yourself and you'll be stronger for it. And he comes up with a lot of ways to discipline yourself. And so I've used that book a lot of times with people who are especially new in sales, but really new in any career. Uh, it's really good for giving you a good mentality for, for starting something new that could be challenging. That's a good one. I've not heard of that one. If you could get an hour of somebody's time, past or present, live or dead, and ask you as many questions as you wanted, who would that person be and why? You know, my answer might be kind of a cliche one. Uh, I don't know if you'll take it that way or not, if any listeners will, but Martin Luther King. Um, I have always just been such a big fan of him. In fact, I didn't actually really start paying close attention to what he wrote in his speeches until just this last year or so, but I actually started listening to, you can find so many of his speeches online these days and the messages that he carried are just phenomenal. I mean, there's a reason why his name is so well known and why he's so influential. And so some of the principles that he had, yes, I could ask him questions for days. I feel like, and I would love to have a conversation with that man if I was to have a chance. What is one thing that you believe most people would disagree with you on? Disagree with me on that is one. Hmm. I don't have an immediate answer for that one. I even knew this question was coming. I still don't have an immediate answer, but I'll say this. 
Um, success is a choice. I don't know if everyone agrees with that or not, but I truly in my heart believe that success is a choice. It doesn't matter your situation. It doesn't matter your background. It's about where you want to go and it's about what you're willing to do to get there. Dude, that's a killer answer. Love it. <laughs> and I happen to agree with you, by the way. <laughs> awesome. um, give us a glimpse of your morning routine. How do you start your day? So that's something that I have really been focusing on lately. And for a long time, I didn't have much of one. And I've realized how important it is to have one. So um, I heard Tony Robbins talking about it one time on a recording and was picking up some of the things that he said. So one of the things he mentioned on there is do something cold to get you started, whether it's jumping in a shower, if you have the ability to jump in a, a pool or a lake or a body of water, or even just splash cold water in your face. So for me, I typically, I don't have a body of water. So I usually just splash water in my face or jump in the shower. So I do something cold just to kind of shock the body, make sure I'm awake. Um, from there, then I write down a, I have a journal where I can write down five things that I'm grateful for. I do that every single day. Um, and then for anyone who's ever heard the speech, I can't think of the guy's name, but I know he's some sort of admiral in the Navy and he talks about, uh, make your bed every day, right? He says, if you want to change the world, make your bed. Uh, start making your bed. It's a graduation speech. I think he's given at the university of Texas. So I make my, that's where I first heard that principle. I make my bed every morning. Um, and then from there I work out. So I work out Monday through Friday. I take Saturday off and then I hike on Sundays. Um, so I, I'm really big on staying in shape and staying fit these days. And then I have a nice breakfast and then I roll into the office by seven. That's awesome. Yeah. The, the speech you were talking about was the, uh, UT Texas, uh, at Austin 2014 commencement speech, Admiral yes. McRaven. Yes. Phenomenal um, love, speech if you haven't heard it. Love that one. Well, dude, that's, that's a great, great routine, man. This has been awesome. What is the best place online that the audience can connect with you? Um, you know, I'm not online very much. Um, and that's something that's been on my mind that I probably need to do more of these in this day and age. I've actually kind of been almost like against social media. So the only social media that I still maintain is Facebook. And I don't even use it that much. So I know I need to grow my online presence, but Facebook is where you can find me. Um, otherwise, just my, my email, if you really want to just reach out to me, is alexanderkeats at gmail.com. Right on. Well, we'll throw both of those down in the show notes and guys, you can connect with Alex with all this great stuff that you just shared here. You should absolutely be on social media and be, be putting some stuff out there because you've got a lot to share, man. I appreciate you being on the show with us today and, uh, and uh, thanks for your time. Appreciate your songs. Thanks for having me. And that's a wrap for today. Hopefully you guys got a ton of value out of Alex's conversation and story. I know I sure did. Always love talking to people like him uh, just because he's got such a great perspective and so many great practical lessons to apply. Um, if you want to connect with him, uh, as he said, he's on Facebook and he's going to become more social here um, with us. But Facebook is the place to do that. Down in the show notes is where that's located. And if you want to connect with me, as always, I've got my Calendly link uh, down there as well. So you can hop on my calendar. We can get a one-on-one -on -one call in and get to know each other just a little bit better. Um, so uh, thank you to those of you who've taken me up on that. I've really loved getting to know you. And for those of you who have yet to, really looking forward to engaging with you in the future. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and sign it off. This is Hans Strazina, host of Another Way to Play. And remember to make every chapter better than the last. Thanks for joining in for this episode of Another Way to Play, making the next chapter of your life better than your last. For more insights and inspiration to help you make that personal leap, be sure to engage with Hans on social media and get your questions answered right here on the show. Reach out to Hans at ChiefSNAH on Instagram, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Another Way to Play.